0: Welcome to The Bottom, a Cleveland Cavaliers podcast with SB Nation. I'm your host, Tony Pesta, and I'm back again with Jackson Flickinger. And today we have to get to two farewells. We're going to be talking about Kevin Love's departure from the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we're also going to be talking about our departure from The Bottom. Uh, A quick update on the future of this podcast. The name of the podcast will be changing. Unfortunately, we'll have the same host. But this will no longer be called The Bottom. Moving forward, the name that we are going with is The Junkyard Pod. So for anyone who is subscribed, I believe that you will still be subscribed to the podcast. But over the next week, you should see the name change and the logo change. If there's any other updates regarding where this podcast is going to end up, what platform we'll be on, I will do that on my Twitter. Everyone can follow me at Tony underscore Pesta, P-E-S-T-A. And you, you'll be able to find any updates there. But I think it will mostly stay the same. Just a little bit of a, a rebranding of the podcast moving forward. But getting back to the real news and the important news, Kevin Love has finalized a buyout with the Cavaliers, ending his nine seasons with the team uh, rather abruptly. I don't think many people saw this coming, uh, considering we he did survive the trade deadline and Colby Altman seemed to be very upfront with the fact that he wasn't planning on buying up Kevin Love. This sounds without speculating, this sounds like Kevin maybe was ready to move on from the team and go somewhere where he would be able to get more playing time. Uh, we'll see those details as we move forward. But Jackson, I want to start off by hearing your reaction to the Kevin Love news.
1: Uh, yeah. So it just really just sucks. Um, Kevin Love it was the last member of the 2016 team uh, still on the Cavs, and I didn't think it would like matter to me personally that that era's gone, but it it really did. It um, really hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting. That wow, like the whole like the whole rosters changed over from that team. You know, Jetty Osmond's Osmond is now the only player to have played with LeBron and. Um, he was mainly, I don't know if you can even say he played with LeBron more. So (laughs) he just, he just celebrated with LeBron Mm -hmm. on the bench, but, um, yeah, so it's just really sad from that standpoint. Um, and then it's, and then it's also, I think it's a little disappointing. Like, I think it's disappointing from, uh, you know, an on court standpoint, I think they could have used him in the rotation going forward, or at least they couldn't have used the version that we last saw but the version of Kevin Love that we saw last year and for the first month and a half of the season was still very good at basketball and very helpful and something this team needed. So it hurts from that standpoint. And then it hurts from the standpoint where, you know, the Cavs just lose a little bit of flexibility. And there were talks about, you know, the Cavs, maybe they don't, you know, retain the bird rights to both Karis Levert, your boy. And Kevin Love, <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, just you just really limit your your flexibility, and this is and this is a team that doesn't have flexibility. They have a good core four, but they don't really the past for them improving around the around that core four is just really tough. And maybe mostly
0: internal. You right. got hope that those guys grow,
1: right? And you know, maybe. You know, yeah, it would have been hard to probably try to make something work out with Kevin Love and then bring in somebody, you know, a contract with Kevin Love and then possibly flip that for somebody else who would be helpful. But it's still a tool that you're losing. So, you know, it's just it's just a bummer on multiple different fronts.
0: Yeah, it was very surreal when uh, that news broke, because I think we are far enough removed from the championship team now. And we have been for a while that like, it kind of didn't even click in my brain that love was the last one. Like I knew he was the last member of the 2016 team, but losing him and seeing all the posts of the big three, all those memories rush back. And it was just like, wow, it, it is truly a new era of Cavs basketball. Now we are completely removed from that team. As you said, Jetty is the only one who has even played with LeBron and, it's disappointing, or I guess I should say, just kind of sad to know that that time is over. But it's also, in a way, very exciting to just know that, like, you know, Evan Mobley, Garland, Allen, Mitchell, these guys are the future and they have officially taken the keys. Like, this is it's all them now. And it's a little scary. I think the training wheels have been off for about, you know, at least this season, maybe even dating back to last season. But it's exciting. It is. it is, But again, focusing back on love, nine seasons with the Cavs. Uh, it was an interesting time in Cleveland because when the news broke, I was looking back at his time and kind of scrolling through basketball reference and looking at the game logs. And I was expecting to see a whole bunch of like, you know, notable games from him. Like, oh, remember that time when he scored? 40 against this team or went off in this playoff series. And while there's certainly plenty of moments like that, what I saw was a lot of struggle and a lot of persistence and a lot of moments where pretty much from the day he got here, he was the scapegoat. He was the odd man out. He was the one who had to make the most sacrifices out of the big three. And for the most part, he did that. Uh, There were some moments here, there, where maybe he was frustrated He very openly has discussed his mental health and kind of the issues that he went through. But I do think when you look at the last 10 years of NBA basketball and the amount of stars or just players in general who have forced their way out of franchises when things aren't going their way, I do think Kevin Love deserves a lot of credit for the sacrifices that he made, uh, the changes that he made to his game. It's easy to forget just how good he was in Minnesota. And he was was second team All-NBA before he came here and he completely gave up on most of his touches in the post and, and changed his game to fit in with LeBron and Kyrie. He did it just enough to help us win a championship. He bought in defensively, put in the effort, and then even after LeBron and Kyrie left, again, it was a bumpy road. It wasn't always easy. I'm sure Kevin Love at times wanted out, but again, looking at the last 10 years of NBA history, if Kevin Love truly wanted to get out earlier, he could have said, I'm not playing until you trade me. He could have forced the Cavs into a really difficult position, but he fought through it. He stuck with us and he ended up being a leader and a mentor to this young core that is now taking the keys. And so while it's disappointing to see it end the way that it did, and I do want to talk more about uh, kind of the potential role he could have played in the playoffs. Uh, I think it's a good thing. The Cavs granted his wish, assuming that he is the one who wanted out and, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. It's bittersweet is maybe the best way to describe it. It's bittersweet because I personally think Kevin Love still could have contributed. I don't. I wouldn't say that it was a guarantee that he would. But when you get to the playoffs, I'm a little uncertain. I'm definitely uncertain about how Dean Wade and Okoro are going to play because we haven't seen them in the playoffs. And I do think having Kevin Love as kind of an emergency veteran who we saw just as recently as the beginning of the season can still contribute when he's healthy and when he's knocking down shots. I think that is a blow to the Cavs rotation.
1: Yeah. And just, just kind of going back for a second on what, on what you were saying about Kevin loves time. It's crazy how many different struggles that Kevin love lived through. Mm-hmm. Um, like during his first year here, you know, as soon as they got, they got Mozgov, it was, it was, Uh, David Blatt was like, Kevin Love, you're not playing fourth quarters anymore. We're going to have Tristan Thompson and Mozgov out there. And the Cavs were really successful during that stretch. And it's just, you know, it's just weird that he he was an all-NBA guy one year. And then the very next season, he's on the bench for some of these fourth quarters and, you know, David Blatt was answering questions about whether Kevin loves an all-star and he's like, no, and yeah. just some, just some really weird stuff. You know, there was a lot of rumors that year about, you know, I think it's easy to, you know, we remember the fit in, not fit out tweet by mm. LeBron. It's, you know, in one of LeBron's tweet hall, hall of fames, you know, one of his mm. best, but <laughs> there was a lot of speculation about, Hey, he could be going to, you know, He could be going to the Lakers. That was when that was the prime time when everyone was going to the Lakers, but nobody was going to the Lakers when they were Mm -hmm. just striking out on everybody. There was a lot of talk about him signing with the Celtics. That was a big, that was a big rumor. And he decided to stay here and Mm -hmm. he won a championship here. And it is true when you look back at the game logs, it's not like, man, remember. Remember they won that game because Kevin Love had 35 points and, you know, mm. against Toronto. It's like, you don't really remember that. But what he did was, if you if you really dive into, like, the on-off splits, it's like, what he did is he just opened up the floor for LeBron and Kyrie in ways that, yep. that nobody else could. It was, you know, like, his shooting, his ability to rebound at his position, his ability to really, you know, one of the things is they... A lot of times we talk about, you know, Tristan Thompson really killed the uh that um death lineup in the twenty sixteen playoffs. Well, yes, he did, but Kevin Love was also a huge part of game seven. He played mm-hmm. he played a ton in the fourth quarter, you know, one of one of the biggest in that in that fourth quarter, every single basket was huge. He got a switch yeah. on to on to Clay Thompson and was able to get a basket in the post. It's like that's two points. But in that game two points was so hard to come by. So it's mm. it's a lot of these little things that 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 Kevin Love provided and made this team and made LeBron the best version of himself here. And yeah, it it didn't go as planned. I you know, like if like when you told us in 2014, hey, Kevin Love's going to be on this team, it was like, wow, Kyrie's going to be the third best player here. And that, you know, didn't really <laughs> transpire because mm. you know, Kevin Love just really wasn't able to be put in a position to succeed. So it's really, you know, his time here was a success, but it's also kind of, you know, he's one of the best players in franchise history. You know, he's going to have his number retired. He's going to, he's going to always be a um, Cavalier legend, but it's just a really weird history. And like, and, and like you said, you know, his second contract didn't work out as planned. I think, I think when he signed, his goal was to, hey, we're going to still be a team that competes. And mm-hmm. that didn't happen. There was a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people saw that that wouldn't happen, but I don't think the players really accepted that reality. So it basically, a lot of what Kevin loves time here was just kind of not what he was expecting it to be. But it still yeah. worked out for a championship. It was still a huge part of that team and all these good teams. So it's just, It's just kind of complicated, and that's kind of how life is sometimes.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It really is just an interesting career path for Kevin Love because, uh, like you said, as soon as he got here, before he got here, rather, it seemed like he would be possibly the second option. And then he gets here, and the Cavs very quickly realize, like, okay, we need you to spot up and shoot. We need you to space the floor. And rebound, which he was already a great rebounder. But I think when he joined Cleveland, uh a lot of the dirty work got uh pushed to him. And rather than just being an all-star scorer, an offensive player, now he's being asked to really, really try hard on defense and do something that he really has never in his career been a good defender. And if we're jumping ahead to now, I know the big concern that a lot of people had with his current fit on the Cavs and probably the reason why he was out of the rotation. Is because of how poorly he has been on defense recently. And while I certainly think that's a concern.
1: Oh, uh, Sorry, just to jump back a second. Yeah. Like what um, you were saying about him really changing his role. Like the NBA changed in the time that he was in Minnesota into when he yeah, that's also went to Cleveland. Too. But he also went from – like he wasn't, he wasn't a guy who just like – when you think of, of Kevin Love now, you're like, oh, yeah, pick and pops. He's just going to hang out, you know in the corners and stuff like that's not who Kevin Love was. He shot in his career with Minnesota. He shot 3.2 threes a game compared to the six he shot per game with Cleveland. Like he radically changed his game. You know, it it was really only, you know, so it's just, it's that that's just something to really keep in mind is that like, he was brought here as a different player than what he was when he was here. So Mm. during this whole discourse, it's like, Yeah, Kevin Love really changed
0: his game. Mm. Yeah, I I think it's really important to focus on that and all the sacrifices that he did make because a lot of people, I mean, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I did see reactions on Twitter of people thinking that he was selfish for doing this, and maybe that's true. Maybe this was a selfish decision, but at the same time, I think he's probably earned the right to be a little selfish after everything that he has been through with this franchise and the fact that whether or not it was perfect, it was a bumpy road, he still helped us win a championship. He still, after Kyrie and, Lef- uh, Kyrie and LeBron left, he still helped rebuild. You know, I don't know how much credit people are willing to give him, but I would give him a lot of credit for building the culture that they currently have. And so I really do think that as bumpy of a road as it was and as many issues that there were along the way, Kevin Love's time in Cleveland, it's hard to call it anything other than a success. As weird as it was and as shaky as it was, he really did everything you could have hoped for uh, both when they were competing for a championship and when they were attempting to rebuild. And it's, I think it's just a strange time now for him to leave. Cause it, again, going all the way back to how I started this, it felt like he had survived all of the moments where you would think that he would be gone. All the different trade deadlines with LeBron and Kyrie when he ends up being kind of the guy after LeBron leaves and he signs that contract and then very quickly realize that that's not going to happen and they are a lottery team, you would think, okay, this is where they're going to trade him. This is where they're going to dump his, his expiring contract, something during that time. And it didn't happen. Even this most recent deadline, it didn't happen. The team appeared to be comfortable with him staying on the roster and he was just ready to go. He wants to be somewhere where he can potentially have an impact. And so I want to hear what you think about his decision to go to Miami. Does that, move the needle for them? Does that make any difference or are you not concerned at all about that signing?
1: Um, I mean, I'm, I'm concerned with the, to the point of, you know, I think Kevin loves a really good player and I think he's a player that really helps the Cavs. I don't think, like, I think the Cavs are clearly a better team than Miami. So I'm not concerned that Miami is suddenly a better team than the Cavs now. Um, but I'm definitely, it's, You know, it's just, you can see how he fits on that team. And it's, you like hear a lot of talk, like, man, like, you know, he fits really well with Bam. Bam can cover up for him defensively. And it's like, guys, do you know who could really cover up for Kevin Love defensively? Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like, so it's like his fit. Like, and do you know who else needs three-point shooting? Like, the Cavs. The Cavs don't have anybody. Very badly. (laughs) The Cavs don't have anybody who can shoot threes, you know, I don't really especially want, in like, the front court. Right. And I really don't want to count Danny green. Cause we just don't, we just don't really know yeah. what kind of player mm-hmm. he's going to be. Like it's like, it's like maybe because like he should fit, like if we got last year's Danny green, but it's just, there's just a lot of variables there. So it, really it's just, you have two guys in the rotation who are good, th- good three point shooters. You have Jetty Osman, who is not that good of a three point shooter, but he likes to take them, which mm-hmm. is helpful and then you have Karis LeVert who you know doesn't really like to take three pointers really um mm-hmm. you know and that's not and that's just not really his game up until this year uh, as a spot up shooter so it's just like i think it i think it more so hurts the calves than it like helps the heat i mean nothing that it it, it won't help the heat but from a Cavs perspective i'm not i'm not thinking Man, like this is something that's gonna come back to bite us in like a playoff series or they're gonna race up the standings now. It's more like, you know, I I think he could have he could have really helped this team. And one thing I, I do wanna say is that like I think we forget that, you know, like Kevin Love wasn't a good fit last last season in the play-in game against the Hawks. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that we all focused on. And rightfully so, because he wasn't able to switch on to you know Trey Young and he Trey Young
0: would have just killed him every play.
1: Right. But Trey Young was also killing Allen and Mobley. Right. Like it mm. wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a Kevin Love exclusive issue. It was
0: mm.
1: kind of a game plan issue with the way they were going under some of those screens and stuff. So it, it's yeah. like yeah that's an issue but there's a lot like a lot of bigs get played off the court in the playoffs anyways. Um mm. And we're still, you know, I I don't really want to take much say that Jared Allen's gonna get played off the court in the playoffs because the playing game didn't go well considering he didn't play basketball in two months. But mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, that's you know, that's something that can happen. But it's also we saw like we're not too far removed from series where series is for the Cavs where it'd be like, okay, like we're playing the Hawks. This is a great fit for Channing Fry. Channing Fry's gonna play twenty five minutes. Okay, we're playing the Warriors. Channing Frye is not going to get off the bench. Amon Shumpert's playing, you know, twenty-five minutes. Like, you know, Delhi was a huge part of a lot of those teams. And then in the um, Finals, they were like, "Mo, Mo Williams, you're going to be the backup point guard
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: biggest games because that's a better that's a better fit." And it's just, you know, to win in the playoffs, it requires you to play a different style and to have different different pieces to to be play. able to adjust. Yeah. Right. And to like play different styles. So it's like, yeah, you know, they could go, they could go to, all the way to the Eastern Conference finals this year and not face a series where they could have used Kevin Love. Or they could face many, many instances where where it's like, hey, we would like to have somebody like Kevin Love who can draw a big out of the paint because they can't draw a big out of the paint unless they want to go small with either LaVert or Osman at the four or maybe Danny Green, maybe, I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's just like, that's not something like, right. Like that's not something you really want to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's where it's, that's where it's frustrating. Where it's like, yeah, he's probably not going to be like in your core playoff rotation, but he could be, and he could be somebody yeah. like, Hey, we need something, you know, this it's game three. We need to spark off the bench. You know, let's put in mm-hmm. Kevin Love. It's, it's, you just want to have those tools in your toolbox. And I do get that if you have a guy who doesn't want to be there, you don't want, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin always says, we don't want, um, we don't want prisoners. We want, we, we want volunteers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah. And I totally get that. Like if you have a guy who doesn't want to be there, especially in a situation like Kevin Love, where he's not a main player, then it's like, yeah, that's, I'm. I am all for letting him go, but the but the failure isn't that they had to let him go. It's that they let it get to this position where that became an option. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. Um, and
1: and they could they didn't it doesn't like it doesn't seem like they were really floating him out there in in trades either. So and we really we probably never will know if they were or not. But if they weren't, that's that's just another failure where it's like. They didn't have their finger on the pulse of this team. They didn't see this as a problem. You know, they just thought that everything would be fine. So that's that's where it's, like, concerning.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think uh, without speculating too much, it does feel to me that there was just some sort of miscommunication there where the front office and the coaching staff uh, at least appeared to think that Kevin Love was going to kind of accept this role, not really playing much and being on the bench to the degree, that, the degree that he was. And Kevin Love clearly, again, just speculating, clearly did not seem to be comfortable doing that. And so if there is a failure there, I, I think maybe finding a way to, again, maybe float him in trade talks if if that's what this is going to come down to or try and convince him to buy in or, or something. I, I do think it's unfortunate that it got to this point. Uh, I do think it's good that the Cavs, again, like – we don't know. If Kevin Love really didn't want to be here, then it's probably the right move that you let him go, not only just from the standpoint of like doing right by a, a legend who has played for your franchise, but just for the team's sake, for the culture, for for the the vibes, right? Um from an objective like basketball standpoint, I guess I would describe this as a low risk, no reward move, because I don't think this move makes the Cavs better in any way. But I also think the likelihood of it hurting them is low. Like you said, I don't, I'm not worried about Miami now just because they got Kevin Love. I think they're a quality matchup. They're a team that could beat us, but we should still be favored in that matchup, even with Kevin Love. I don't think he moves the needle. And I also don't think he moved the needle for us, but I do think he could have helped, especially in you know specific playoff series and matchups where the playoffs can be weird. And sometimes playing really weird and wacky lineups is how you get an edge on the opponent. And Kevin Love is certainly the guy, if you look at this bench, like he is, he was probably the one guy that you could put in in these weird moments, and he's going to make a true difference because he is that veteran. I still think he has a lot of talent, space in the floor, which is something they need. And uh, talking about his defense, like I was going to mention earlier, I, I do think it's an obvious concern. He is, he is a very bad defender, but I also think it gets overblown sometimes because it's important – to remember that he is a guy who probably might not even play in some series. So if he comes on the floor and he gets cooked, like you can just pull him. He's not part of the main rotation anyways. And that's not what – you're not putting him in the game to be a difference maker on defense. You're putting him in the game to be a difference maker on offense, which is where one of their biggest weaknesses is. They're good on defense. They have Mobley. They have Allen. They have plenty of good defenders who can play minutes if they need to. I don't think there's anything to be too worried about if you're putting in Kevin Love for the occasional playoff game or the occasional matchup. But clearly uh, there was some sort of difference in opinion between the coaching staff and Kevin Love because he thinks he can play a bigger role than he was getting. And it's unfortunate that it got to that point, but it's where we're at. I'm I'm wishing the best for him, of course, and I think the Cavs will be all right, but it certainly hurts. from It hurts their opportunities, I think, moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I definitely get where he's – Annoyed from because the Cavs the like yes he is a bad defender but the Cavs have played good defense with him on the floor this year and you know it's just his worst stretch of play came in January that was also when Donovan Mitchell missed missed some time that's when Donovan Mitchell when he was playing he looked terrible you know Darius Garland missed a couple of games with that thumb injury in January the Cavs had a ton of road games then. And that was when they were just getting absolutely cooked by opponent three point shooting percentage where mm-hmm. that has kind of come back to earth where, yeah, I, I do think some of that comes to blame with Kevin Love because Kevin Love was not rotating out to guys like you would want him to, but he wasn't the only guy doing that. He wasn't the, you know, it wasn't like, if you look at the shooting splits, it wasn't like, Oh, you take Kevin Love off the floor teams it's teams aren't shooting 40 percent. it was like no they were shooting 40 percent no matter who mm-hmm. was on the floor that's just what yeah. <laughs> that's just what was happening um so that's something that it's like i feel like it's kind of almost a little unfair to really hold that completely against him and i feel like he was he's kind of been used as a scapegoat during mm. during that and i'm not totally defending kevin love because yeah he was like because he was he was absolutely awful and he shouldn't have been out there in those situations and his shot looked awful. And it's like, if you're playing, if he's somebody who doesn't have his shot and his fingers hurting him, then it's like, well, yeah, he's, he's on, he's not somebody you can run out.
0: There. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But it's like the pit, it's like they were playing the Pistons uh, a few weeks ago without Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. They ended up winning that game pretty lopsidedly. Mm-hmm. but Kevin Love was available to play and they went through a stretch in the third quarter where they, looked like absolute garbage on offense and it was like guys like if you're ever if kevin love is ever somebody who's ever going to play an nba minute for you guys this is like hey let's throw him out there and it's like lamar stevens was getting minutes over Mm. him and nothing against lamar it's just like they needed somebody to play some offense and he couldn't even get on the court in that situation it's like if you can't get on the court then I get why you're like, Hey, I want another contract. I don't want to be a minimum guy next year. So let me, you know, let me leave. So it's just, just, it just feels like they could have given him a couple minutes there. They could have given him, they could have said, Hey, Kevin Love isn't available until his thumb is ready. Instead of after that game, JB was asked, um, you know, what's to do with Love? And he's like, he's healthy. He's just not playing. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that's where that's where it just felt like yeah that's this is a problem and you know that's you know they just could use somebody who can make some shots late in games they need somebody who can inbound ball inbound the ball in situations where the opponent's fouling that's something that they've had problems with all year Mm -hmm. you know it's like they need their situations where he could be helpful it's just it just feels like a complete mismanagement
0: yeah that's how I felt to a degree for sure especially those games where You know, there was one, it might've been the Pistons game. I can't remember the exact opponent, but we were up by like 25 points with like four minutes remaining. And they dumped the bench guys in. Robin Lopez got in, everyone got in. Kevin Love's available and he's still on the bench. And I remember tweeting at that moment, just thinking like, okay, well, if he's not even playing in these moments, to me, I maybe this was wishful thinking. I was hoping, okay, they're trying to get him healthy. They're just not gonna risk him hurting that hand again. And they're gonna give him an opportunity to win his minutes back down the stretch of the season and maybe that's what they were planning on doing. I, I don't know, but I also saw some people saying, well, no, they were just, you know, it would have been disrespectful to put him in in that moment, possibly like a Udonis Haslam type of situation. And while that's certainly possible, I'm not going to say that there's no chance that was the direction they were going. I also think, you know, again, it wasn't that long ago, Kevin Love was a very productive member of the team just last season. He was second for six men of the year voting. And so I can understand, at least from his perspective, if you go from that guy to now all of a sudden in the middle of the season, they, they want to give you the Udonis-Haslam treatment, I would be a little upset too. So again, I don't know how much is on the coaching staff. I don't know how much uh, mismanagement there was. It does feel like it could have been handled better. Um, And like you said, I just think if Kevin loves a guy. I would rather have him and not need him than need him and not have him.
1: Right, and I think a lot of it also comes to we kind of expect too much out of Dean Wade. I feel like at least like the online community, and it seems like like I can't speak to like what the Cavs coaching staff and stuff thinks about Dean Wade, but it's like Dean Wade is still a guy who was, you know, he was he was he was undrafted and really hasn't played a whole lot of minutes these last couple of games. If you just look at his last three games, he played eleven minutes against the Bulls, no points on 05 shooting. Uh, three rebounds, six minutes against the Spurs, two points on one of two shootings with two with two rebounds against the Sixers, nine minutes, no points. You know, it's just like, yeah, I do conceptually get how Dean Wade fits better because he can play defense uh, and he's a good he's a good rebounder and theoretically he's a good shooter, but he's you know he's not somebody who's like you know knocking down the door because he's playing so good. It's like we're kind of getting to the territory where, like, when we would talk, when people would talk about Dylan Windler before this mm-hmm. year, it was like, Hey, man, Dylan Windler, he's the three that this team needs. And it's like, Well, the best, the best, like, theoretical version of Dylan Windler's who this team needs, but he's not that guy. And it's like mm-hmm. the theoretical version of Dean Wade is really good, but yeah, we to that point. Right, but, but he, hasn't, he, he hasn't been that guy over extended stretches. Mm-hmm. It's like they played really good basketball with him last year when Larry Markkinen was, was out for a few weeks, and it's like that was really good, but that's kind of what he's sort of been living off of. So mm-hmm. it's just like I don't – like it wouldn't surprise me if we got to like the playoffs and Dean Wade is, you know, not in the rotation or getting five minutes like he was here like he has been the last couple of weeks. So it's like, you're just putting a lot of faith in somebody who I don't know if they've they've deserved it. And that's nothing against Dean Wade. It's incredible for somebody to be a unrestricted free agent, and get like a real second contract and to, you know, work their way into the rotation. It's just, it's just, you're asking, you don't really have a lot of fallbacks. You're asking him to always be available and to play a significant rolling. I don't know if that's something he's able to do.
0: Yeah, I agree there. The Cavs right now, I feel like have so many encouraging things going on and like every player seems to be showing a lot of promise and uh, just exciting things. And Dean Wade is the one where I'm I'm feeling a little let down. I feel like this is not the trajectory you want to see him on. If he's going to be like you said, that three and D guy or that three that they need
1: and that's starting
0: to leave a lot to be desired.
1: And that's and that's really disappointing from somebody who believes in Karis Levert the way that you do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh yeah, it's just it's gonna be an interesting finish to the season here because like I said, there's so many good things going on. But when you look and and granted, as you get down into the playoffs, the rotation's gonna shrink anyway, but you're really starting to run out of options when you get deep into there. Cause it's like Dean Wade, is he going to be able to take that step and be the guy? I don't know. I think Dylan Windler, as much as I want to hold out hope on him, he's really, really running out of time here to do it this season at least. Maybe we'll do it in the future, but there's 21 games left. He's still not been able to get onto an NBA court. Right. And he played. I don't, he played, I don't imagine he'll crack the rotation this year at yeah, all. Yeah.
1: He played five minutes with the charge recently. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's like, just that's
0: worse. So, I'm punting on that dream. We're so far.
1: Season. We're so far away from expecting anything from him. Mm.
0: This and then you on. get uh Danny Green which I personally love Danny Green I think again theoretically he could be perfect uh the Philly game I was not inspired by the way he was running it did not look healthy it did not look very he didn't look very mobile but he did knock down a couple shots so uh, you know talking about Kevin Love that's kind of all they need is someone who can knock down shots at that point in the rotation so we'll see uh, I am interested to see what the rotation is going to be because I think the starting lineup, uh, as we've talked about with Dean Wade, I think a has kind of solidified himself there, at least for this season moving forward. Uh, it would be hard for me to imagine he loses that spot uh, in a perfect world. Rubio will be there. Six man, Lavert probably seventh. And then that last spot, it's, it's either Wade, Jetty, or Danny, Danny Green, to get that last spot there. You're, you're really not going to play many more guys in a playoff series, so I'm interested to see how that's going to go down.
1: Yeah, and it's also it's also kind of the Cavs are in a weird spot where in the regular season, because you still have to think about the regular season. We're not done. We're not done with that yet. If mm-hmm. if you know Allen was to sprain his ankle and be out for two weeks, you're just saying, hey, Mobley, you're just you're going to have to be the big you're relying on maybe Robin Lopez minutes, which have been pretty They're much pretty a disaster. Right. Yeah. And you don't really have any other options to turn to. And it's, you know, bigs are like, I see a lot of charge games. One of the things that is just, you know, one of the things is that, that I'm really notice is that like the guard play is not always bad for G league teams. A lot of times they have a lot of good skilled ball ball handlers, but there's no interior play at all and mm. you kind of and you kind of look throughout the league like who, who are the available centers it's like they're all guys who are unplayable so it's just yeah. it's really hard to find playable bigs mm. especially in a pinch so it's like you really just kind of and it's like yeah Kevin Love's not you know oh we have Kevin Love we we have Jared Allen insurance we're fine no but it it's something that you don't have to feel like you have to rush Allen back or, or you're going to be like the fifth seed. So it's just it's just leaves you in just such a weird spot that it feels unnecessary. Like it mm. it's necessary but it shouldn't have gotten to this point. But we yeah. again that's still that's still speculation to a degree because we mm. don't we don't we don't know entirely what's going on. You know. Yeah. But I would
0: so. I would lean towards saying there's probably a little bit of both sides at fault to mm-hmm. a degree somewhere there. Anytime Definitely. a situation reaches this point where it's like you have to buy a player out, something went wrong. So there was some something misfired there between the two parties. So it happens. Uh, the 2016 team is now forever off the roster. It's just, it, it's a memory now. And uh, we're moving forward into the future.
1: And really pretty soon they may just be a memory. <laughs> in yeah. general in the NBA yeah. it's crazy there's not how... many of them left no I mean, it's, it's it's really Dele. LeBron
0: Kyrie love Delhi is still there right. believe it or not but Tristan Thompson's on else? TV yeah Tristan's on TV I think everyone else is gone
1: it, it's still crazy that Amon Shumpert to me is out of the NBA yeah. and yeah. has been out of the NBA for years I saw just... that
0: discussion come up recently and it I really never thought about it but it is true he could have been he is the type of player you want in the modern nba at least he could have easily became right. that he was knocking on the door of being that so it's very he's only
1: he's only 32 like he were not yeah we're it's not, wild yeah. right it, you know and yeah i mean he wasn't good his last couple of years but it's just no. it's just crazy when you think about the dion waiters J.R. smith trade it was mm-hmm. like the Cavs are trading for amon Schumper. this is the piece that we need and we're also including Jr. Smith. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's the poison pill. So it's it's just funny to look back on. But yeah, it's just crazy that note that like how few like four guys are in the league, and probably only three guys next year. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Delhi can hang on to a roster spot. Yeah, and it's like I'm I don't know right. how much longer. Like if love, like if love goes to Miami, and he's still looking like the five points mm. per game guy that he was the last two What months. kind of
0: contract will he get after that right that's you know? and know. will he even want a minimum contract or will he just sail off into the sunset after right this? so
1: it's just you know we have talked a lot about how the Cavs could miss kevin love but kevin love could also mm. be out of the league yeah <laughs> that's, that's an underrated but aspect just... of
0: this it's possible that kevin was like hey i don't have much time like i could be done this year let me just try to win a championship with a team that's going to play me. Or let me just try to actually get minutes one last time before I retire. Who knows? I'm not going to say he's retiring next season, but that's something that could be in the, in the, in his uh, plans yeah, for all we know.
1: I, I think he just wants to get another contract. That's,
0: yeah, I, that's, that's probably more likely. He, he
1: was in a good position. Like, if he was up for a contract last year, he would have gotten a good contract. Yeah. And this year, like, you're not going to get a good contract if you're averaging the – like putting up numbers like he was putting up, which have been mm-hmm. very bad. So I, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about this week really quick.
0: Yeah. So uh, Denver on Thursdays, their first game back from the all-star break. Uh, I know you just said talk about this week, but I do want to look ahead a little bit. There's 21 games left. Uh, if they can win 12 of those, they'll hit 50 wins, which I would consider a wildly successful season. Not, maybe not wildly successful, but I would consider that a very successful season it would only be, I believe, the 12th time in franchise history they've hit 50. 12-9 and nine over their last 21 games is certainly uh, achievable. If they go 14-7, and seven, they'll have the eighth best season in franchise history. And so I think it's important to put everything into perspective when we talk about this season. I know a lot of people have said maybe it hasn't been as fun as last year. They've been really good. And this has been a very, very impressive season. And uh, looking ahead to this week, they have, a the statement game possibly against Denver. And then after that, they have the fourth easiest schedule in the NBA. And it's really all about working out the details here, taking care of business and games that you should win. And you also have a couple games against the Celtics. And I also believe Miami. So there's more opportunities to make more statements before getting into the playoffs and really build on your confidence. Because I do very quickly want to touch on the Philly game because I think it's important. Uh, When we talk about Kevin Love, that's a game where they got rattled immediately. Like, well, actually, they they did pretty decent for the first few minutes. But then they got punched in the mouth. And those players looked like deer in headlights. And that's a situation where someone like Kevin Love could have settled down the offense. Maybe Danny Green will do that. Maybe Rubio will be able to do it. I'm sure if he's healthy, he'll, he'll be the guy to do that. But it's just one of those situations where the team's really good. But you do have to remember they're young and they can't they can't get into those situations at much anymore. If you play the the Celtics coming up or the nuggets and you keep getting rattled, uh, I think it's fair to be a little concerned, but I also feel very optimistic about it. So.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's also kind of weird from a, um like a face of the franchise perspective. Whereas like, I don't think people who like watch the Cavs every day, like diehard fans think of Kevin Love as like, Oh, he's the face of the franchise. But from like, a casual fan perspective, yeah, it's like Cavs, fans loved him, right? It's like you know, he was on the cover of like Cleveland magazine a few months ago with Donovan Mitchell. It's like the Cavs, it's kind of now like Donovan Mitchell's team and only Donovan Mitchell's team, you know, because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if like Darius Garland's great, I just don't know if he's the, he's not the same outspoken public personality that somebody like mm. donovan mitchell is vice president
0: of the players association
1: right yeah so, you know <laughs> now <laughs> yeah so it's just it's just kind of a weird role where like mitchell is like now the leader he's the guy who's been he's the guy who's been through the playoff battles and stuff now it's not kevin Lo- i mean i mean
0: he's the household name now really right. i mean. The casual right. fans, they're going to know Mitchell. And, and I'm sure they'll know the other guys, too, because they're incredibly talented. But, yeah, Kevin Love, I got into this argument not that long ago on Twitter. I was like, people still go to the games to see Kevin Love. Like, it, it might be casual fans, but people still go to the games wearing Kevin Love jerseys and wanting to see him play.
1: He still he still would get, a like, the loudest ovation yeah, for when every he time, check into the yeah. games. So it's just – it's something where, you know, like that – one of those weird, like, intangible things that you can't really, like, quantify, but it he meant something to the outside of the team, and we don't know, like... I always think of that junkyard dog chain that they gave to JB in the middle of the year where Kevin Love... Not, not in the middle of the year. I think it was after the Lakers game where mm, JB yeah, was given I, I out, and then, and then Kevin Love stepped in and gave it to JB. Mm. It's like, who is... Who is that guy now? Maybe Kevin Love wasn't that guy when he wasn't playing, because that was when he was that that was before the injury and he was mm-hmm. like playing like he was last year. So it's like who is that guy in the locker room who's there's just yeah. a lot of questions that were that we weren't asking before the trade deadline. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see it. It's like this is the young guys are thinking of, or it's swimming time on to step their own. Up. Yeah. yeah, so it it should be a fun 21 games and just to see how just to see how they all, re, you know, just see how they all react to everything.
0: Yeah, I'm also in, in, very interested to see how they're going to respond to this. I hope hoping for the best. I feel very good about it. Um, But yeah, a potential. They should be able to lock up 50 wins this season and I'll take that. That's near the top of what I would have expected from them.
1: As long as Karis LeVert stays healthy. They should have of course 50 wins on as long as
0: he's able to come in off the bench and do his thing to a degree uh, a very limited thing they'll they'll be good they might be able to hit 52 wins if car is healthy
1: yeah I think they probably need to get about 53 wins because I think the goal should be the third seed yeah um, so I, yeah I, I'd be disappointed with 50 wins in the fourth seed mm-hmm. as opposed to oh yeah the that goal, the goal that should for... be
0: very easy to hit they just need right. to go 12 and nine and with yeah the schedule coming up it Should be very, very obtainable. Yeah,
1: the goal, the goal should be the third, the third seed. But we'll see, we'll see if the Cavs can handle business this week. You know, the Nuggets are a tough team. The, you know, I don't. It's a tough, it's a tough game to have after your first game Mm -hmm. back. You know, yeah, you you hopefully hopefully the guys
0: are healthy. Right, they needed a little bit of
1: a rest here. Yeah, and like one of the things that kind of sucks is that you hope to get a team like Denver in your home building. Like, oh, they. They were in, you know, they were playing somewhere else the other days. This is, you know, the fifth game in a long road trip. It's like, oh, no, yeah, this no, this is the first game. Yep. So you're not getting that, that advantage. And they play the Hawks, which is a, you know, I don't think the Hawks are a good team, but they're a team that they could lose to. And then you mm-hmm. play a team like the Raptors, who are an they absolutely a for whatever reason. invisible basketball team, just <laughs> awful in every way. Until they
0: play against us.
1: Right. Until they <laughs> play the Cavs. So it's, you know they really need a good stretch. Those first three Mm -hmm. games are big. Like we talked about the schedule being light. It's like, you got to go, you want to win two of those three games, I think to really just kind of set yourself up. If you lose one of two, then it kind of feels like, you know, we just lost Kevin Love. We lost the Philadelphia. We started out slow from the break. You just want to have a good start here. So these first three Mm -hmm. games I think are really important for the Cavs.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, like I was saying, this we're at the point now where you need to take care of business and win the games you're supposed to win, and you also really, really want to start winning some statement games. Not to say that they haven't. The Memphis game was a huge statement win. They've had these moments, but heading into the playoffs, man, I mean, you lose a heartbreaker or you just completely come out flat against Philly or uh, you know Boston, any of these teams coming up in the at the end of this season here. And you enter the playoffs, maybe not feeling as confident as you should. Whereas if you win those games and you take care of business and you secure the third seed, probably feeling a lot better. So
1: Yeah. And be- you're and you're playing a team like the Nets or the Knicks or somebody of mm-hmm. that caliber instead of playing Miami, which is a team that is completely different than those ones or any of the other teams that mm-hmm. are fighting for that sixth spot. So it's like the Cavs. The key to getting the second round is getting a good seed. It, you know, getting a good matchup there, right? So it's and they can control that. And this is they have mm-hmm. to go out and do it. It's so. in their hands now.
0: As mm-hmm. much as I support JB Bickerstaff, I really don't want to see him have to go against Eric Spolstra in a seven-game series. So avoiding that would be good. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> agreed. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, uh, as I said at the beginning of the podcast. The next time we record, the name will be different. The logo will be different. You should still be subscribed if you are subscribed. If you're not, please subscribe. We're going to continue doing this. Thanks, everyone, for listening and supporting. And uh, go Cavs.
1: I agree. Go Cavs.